This podcast is brought to you by the Wharton School at the University of Pennsylvania. You know, sometimes a great business is built out of a very innocuous idea, and that may very well have been the case for food delivery platform Grubhub. Founder Mike Evans apparently started this out of his basement because of a craving for pizza and has seen it turn into a million-dollar, multi-billion-dollar, I should say, startup. Great to be joined by Grubhub founder Mike Evans, who tells his story of success in the new book out, Hangry, A Startup Journey. Hi, Mike. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. So lay this out for us. How did how did the idea for Grubhub actually start? It really did start with I wanted a pizza. And, you know, ordering a pizza was hard. It was hard to find the restaurants to deliver to you. Calling by phone was a pain in the neck. Really, all you had was the yellow pages at the time. And I was frustrated enough by the process that I thought, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to make a delivery guide. And then shortly thereafter, started doing online ordering and uh, and, and built it, you know, from one restaurant, the first restaurant we signed up to, to 80,000 restaurants at the time of the IPO. How long did it take you from that moment of, uh, of understanding of, of, you know, the issues that are involved here till you were able to start to get a, a, into, you know, a, a business that was, you know, fairly profitable at that point that you kind of got it to the point where, where it is today? Yeah, it took, uh, I don't know, it took like a year to two years to, to really get to the point where it was generating enough cash um, that I could start hiring employees. At first, it was just me and no investment cash. I don't I don't know where people find this, like, friends and family money to do startups, but I didn't have any who gave me any cash. And so um, I, I ran it for about two years just by myself, uh, signing up restaurants on subscription products and then, and then building out the online ordering platform. Um, and then it really took off from there uh, once I started hiring people and, and getting getting restaurants signed up at sort of its scale. Um, and it grew over the course of 20, 20, uh, 12 years um, to a couple hundred million in revenue, and we were profitable for, for most of that time. So as you're developing this out, what were the, the key components in terms of that relationship between you and, and the different restaurants you were working with? Obviously, I, I think trust is probably part of that process in terms of what you were going to provide for them. Yeah, the original... You know, the original idea, it was about a 10% charge for orders, but we took on all the risk. So uh, if we didn't get a restaurant any orders, then then they didn't have to pay us anything. And so um, just starting with that philosophy that, you know, we don't make a dime unless you make a dollar really helped in terms of being able to sign the restaurants up. You know, at the time, the restaurants all did the, the, the deliveries themselves as opposed to Grubhub having drivers. And so it was really just an ordering facilitation platform because people yeah. don't want to use the phone. And so once I started getting orders and started getting new customers for restaurants, they loved it. And they stayed with us for years, for a decade in a lot of cases. So tell us about the book. Yeah, so the book is really, it's just what the experience is like. It shares the, the personal experience of starting something from scratch and then seeing it get big and then seeing it get huge, you know, as, as you go through the process, as I went through the process of experimenting, trying different things, um, trying to create a better experience for customers. And just what that personal journey is like um, as, as, as you go through it. And then uh, I literally ride off into the sunset in 2014 after the IPO. I, about 30 days after the IPO, I, I rode a bicycle across the United States and sort of reflected on the entire journey uh, of what it's like to create something from nothing. And then it gets just truly huge. 
how much of a recognition or maybe even better of a recognition is there today about the process of of developing a startup in terms of you know what you have to do the, the obviously the hurdles that you have to cross uh, in order to be successful and the fact that the level of success for startups is still relatively low at this point yeah it is it's a hard business to get into and there's there's really no there's no just obvious plan there's no there's no script that you can follow and that's the nature of innovation it's experimental by its nature it's it has false starts you have to try things that work and try things that don't work know when to have grit and know when to quit and and i explore a lot of those ideas in the book about how since there's not a script you have to be willing to try things you have to be willing to take experiments there are a lot of ideas and there's a lot of a lot of people doing startups, so you can get advice and you can bounce ideas off other people and you can see what's worked for other people. And, and that's more true than it was maybe 20 years ago. But still, yeah. at its core, innovation is an experimental process. But there's also the process of, you talk about innovation, uh, of when there is a level of saturation of that idea by yourself, but also other companies trying to get into this space as well, seeing maybe the success that you had and trying to kind of play off of it as well. Yeah, there's, but there's always, a, there's always a chink in the armor. There's always a way to get into what seems like a saturated marketplace. You know, at the time I started Grubhub, you know, by, by year three, there were a hundred other online ordering platforms. And, and at the time Google started, you know, Yahoo and Lycos had been around for a long time. And so even yeah. today, I think there's opportunity to create, to build a better mousetrap and to create something that competes even in, in industries that seems like there's huge incumbents. You know, that's not, you know, it's challenging, certainly. Um, but, but at any point, whether you started a startup in 1995 or 2002, like I did, or, or today, it always feels like there's an overwhelming amount of competition. It always feels like maybe it was easier 10 years ago. But actually, it's still it was challenging then, too. Uh, and, and the difference is whether or not you take that leap and, and iterate, try and figure out what works and figure out uh, how to how to build a competitive differentiator in your business through experimentation. Well, and probably also the fact that, you know, as you go along in the process, taking steps A, B, C and D and beyond, that there are going to be mistakes that, that, that you make in the process and how you kind of adapt, kind of recoup and, and move on from them. Yeah, entrepreneurs need to be good at quitting things. You, you have to have what's, you know, what's called sink, sunk cost thinking. Just because you've been working on a thing doesn't mean you should keep working on a thing. And it's important to know what your goals are and where you're headed so that when you take that approach in, uh, of experimenting, of trying things, and quitting the things that aren't working and doubling down on the things that are working, you, know, you really have to have that attitude that, uh, that it's okay to, to leave something behind if it's not working. And that frees you up to experiment more. There's also the the component in the process of, of the startup of, you know, you're doing a lot of the work right at the outset. Then at some point you're going to have a team joining you as well. And that's a little bit of a different component as well, going from the solo guy running the ship to, you know, having all these different other people and entities uh, in the process as well. Yeah, it was a learning process to realize I needed to get the heck out of the way when I hired people to do work. You know, I, I did start doing almost all the work myself. Um, and, and so getting out of people's way when you when you've and empowering them to do the work and not micromanaging, it's a learning process. And it's not something I got right from day one uh, when I started having coworkers. It's something that I sort of figured out over the course of, of years of, of employing people. 
And not everybody makes that transition. It can be really hard to let go of your of your baby, let go of, of the thing that you you created. Uh, but it's a necessary part of of growth of of making something bigger. What about the component of leadership and 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 what some uh, discussions have been really ramped up in the last couple of years about the question of burnout? Yeah, I think that. Um, I think the idea of, especially in a startup, the idea of, of work-life balance is really elusive. It's really hard to get at. And, and I think you actually start not with trying to minimize the amount of work and activity you do, but making sure instead that your, your goals and your values align with the company that you work at. If those things are aligned, then it's a lot less tiring to work at a company. It's a lot less tiring to go in every day. And so I think that the first sort of bastion against burnout is is to be goal oriented and to be and, and just to be really thoughtful about working with companies and creating if you're an entrepreneur creating companies that align with your values in your company or grubhub obviously customer service is a big part of it but i think there are probably a lot of businesses and in some cases many more than you would think that customer service is a key component that you really have to understand and 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 do well to be able to be successful. Yeah, I think that that was the big the big unlock for the business. The reason that we were able to beat a lot of the competition that came along as we were growing the company towards the IPO was that we had a very strong commitment to customer service. You know, delivery orders go wrong pretty frequently. People, yeah. you know, restaurants will put the wrong food in or or it'll be late or or whatever the case is. And so Figuring out how to make that right for a customer who's hangry is really important. And then figuring out how to make sure it doesn't happen in the future through best practices and through, um, you know, process, it, it's critically important. You know, the best customer service is solving the problem before it happens. What do you see playing out now around gig workers at this point? Uh, the Biden administration talked about, you know, doing something to try and improve options for gig workers. I think there's a big question right now about, how they are treated and what the expectation uh, of where that process is going to go in the years ahead. Because I think the belief is that that gig is here to stay, right? Yeah. I think that there's some real challenges with the gig economy as it currently stands. It's what's good about it is that it has flexibility for workers, but what's really tough about it is that uh, it doesn't create economic mobility for the people who are doing it. You know, if you work, if you're working four hours, you know, in an evening at, at Uber, that might be great. But if you're working 40 hours at it and you do that for years, you're no better off at the end of three years than, than when you started. And that our, our economy and our society is not really set up like that. You're, you're supposed to earn, increase earning power as a result of getting better at your job. That's, that's a more typical journey. And, and there needs to be something done about, about creating those options within the gig economy. Uh, otherwise, I just think it doesn't work for the workers. Great story, Mike. Thank you very much for your time. All the best. Yeah, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You got it. Greg, uh, uh, Grubhub founder, Mike Evans. Uh, the book is Hangry, A Startup Journey, and it is available in bookstores and online now. To keep engaged with Wharton Business Daily and other Wharton School shows, visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.